Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, and a very happy new year to everyone. Joey Anderson here, certified financial planner, Al Clopine next to me. Uh, 2017 is upon us in a few hours. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Uh, it's right around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, 2016 was kind of an interesting year, to say the least. Started out the year, uh, what, the worst January? Uh, worst yeah, few worst, weeks? Worst, uh, stock start. Marks, worst stock market in the month of January ever, or first two weeks maybe right. is, the, is the exact thing. And then, uh, well, here we are. Um, you know, 365 days later. Yeah. And the market did all right. Yeah, we it, it turned around fairly quickly, didn't it? So by, uh, I don't remember exactly when, but it seems like by February, at least mid-February, we'd regain a lot of the losses that we... Um, that were suffered. I would say January. most people forgot exactly why the market blew up in January. Right. I, I, you know what I mean? Including us. Because, well, the, because it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It was, oh, well, it was China. It was oil. Yeah, it was. Right. That's um, what that's what the pundits were saying. Of course. So I think this year, if, if, if you take a lesson of this year, right, 2016, when it comes to your investments. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a couple key ones I would imagine that everyone probably hopefully will remember for the rest of their lives is that it's very difficult to time the market. You know, when you have all that information, we had two huge events this year when it comes to like political stuff is of course we had the election with Trump right. and then uh, Brexit. Right. And so, you know, w- with, with th- those are two major things that happen in a 12 month time period. Sure. And we all knew, all right, well with Brexit, I think a lot of people freaked out because that's, oh my gosh, that's a huge, you know, capital hub of the world. Right is in England, and so what happens when they get out of the Eurozone? And so the market kind of was extremely volatile for a short period of time, but it recovered. And then, of course, with Donald Trump getting into office, everyone said, well, as soon as he gets into office, we'll see a, what, a 20% correction. Yeah, it's going to go way down, and it went up. Yeah, right. Quite a bit, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we hit market all-time highs. Sure. You know, 16, 17, like straight days, something right. to that effect. I know. Dow approaching 20,000 as yeah. we sit here right now. Exactly. So it's with everything that goes on in a given year, right? And then when you listen to radio shows like this, too, I think it, it creates... Um, anxiety. Yes, I agree with because that. the news is constant in your face, and then you're listening to it, and then so you have to react to it. Is what you feel that you have to do, right? right. It's just human nature. When you see a bus coming at you, you want to move. Sure. And so when you see big events like this, you want to move either in or out of the overall markets. Right, you do. And and you know, just thinking back a few years, 2000 March of 2009 was our market low uh, since the Great uh, Recession. And uh, we got a pretty good recovery the rest of 2009. But remember, everyone was talking about the double, the dual uh, recession, the double uh, recession. The double dip, the, the W. Du- double dip, the W. It's going to be a W effect, and it's going to be a really low center W, and then it's going to, you know, it's it, we're going to be down for a while. But and anyway, that, and then 2011, 12, the market is, re- is recovering nicely, right? Uh, and so maybe it's time to get out. And, and uh, we, we had, I think, it was it 2000. 
12 or 13 where the market was flat. I can't even remember now. 2011, but, well, we yeah. had a, a correction in 2011, down so 20%, maybe, and maybe, we were f- dead flat at the end of the year. Yes, you're right. So maybe that's, that's when, what, what would we have? The, so that's uh, what I'm thinking, is 11. But 2012, 2013, a lot of people got out of the market because of the fiscal cliff and the devaluation by standard of pours of the government T-bills. Right. Right, and so there's all these reasons always to get out, and now we're at all-time highs, Dow 20,000, so surely we should get out. Yeah, but, I mean, if you take a look at the couple-year average of the Dow, I mean, what, 4.5%, something yeah, right. like that? So I know. I mean, You hear this all-time highs, all-time highs, but, yeah, that's what the market does. It always hits all-time highs, and it takes it, a little bit of a correction, then it hits all-time highs yeah, again. That's, that's exactly, what a that's bull that's market does. That's what it's supposed to do, right? <laughs> yes. It goes up over time. It, yes. Right, so I, I guess the point of all this is, is just going back in recent history, all kinds of things have happened, and the market has survived and, and prospered. And there's no reason to not believe that will continue to happen. Now, could we predict that 2017 will be a great stock market year? Absolutely not. But if you look at over the long term, and that's what I think investors need to do. I think they have to look at the long term and not worry about the day-to-day, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter. Because if you've got the right investment allocation for you, then uh, let that thing go. Right, well, the problem it. is I think sometimes, too, people don't have the right allocation. That's true. I mean, right, so there's, there's a little, little work to get there. Right. Certainly. Certainly. But, but, recency bias in a sense of, all right, well, this asset class performed well over the last couple of years, so let's overweight that particular asset class. Sure. This asset class didn't perform as well, so why do I want to, yeah, why do I want to continue to own that? You you might want to do just the opposite. Right, so they might feel that they're diversified and they're tweaking their portfolio to enhance it, but actually they're hurting themselves. Yeah. Sometimes, Joe, though, even when people know they got the right allocation, maybe they're working with a great advisor, and they still question. It's like, shouldn't we... Shouldn't we get out? Because the the way that the uh, financial media press talks, it's so dramatic. It's it's like, you know, this is going to happen, and so therefore get out, or this is going to happen, so therefore get in. And you can you can listen for several hours straight to something like CNBC and get eight different opinions, and then you just end up confused. Yeah, I think most <laughs> I think most of the pundits are confused. <laughs> well, they certainly don't agree, do they? Well, well, that's how they get compensated too. Right. They get compensated to make predictions. They, they do, and and when you happen to get one right, you know, you, you, you bank, you you make some money, right? <laughs> right. Then you go so on a book sometime, tour. Sometimes it's the more outlandish predictions that people want to make the pundits because if they get it right, they're the expert for the next five years. Right. And the more outlandish you yeah. are, the more likelihood that you're going to get on a TV show, a right. radio Remember, show. Remember uh, Noriel th- Robini, who who predicted the black swan, and so they say he predicted the market crash, and so he was on every show for about five years until they found out all his other predictions before and after weren't true. Right, right. They, <laughs> didn't, yeah, they didn't, didn't come to be yeah, true. Yeah, didn't come to be true. Yeah. So, you know, I was listening to um, uh, a very well-known financial expert and it was kind of interesting to me um, how people kind of double talk a little bit. Yes, right? They kind of say something totally different than what they said the day before. Or, or just a minute before. <laughs> or a minute before. <laughs> so he was talking about 2016 in a very similar conversation that you and I are having, Alan. Okay. And was um, going through, um, all right, well, you know, the best um, advice possible is that you want to stay invested, right. you know, because if you get in and out of the overall markets, you know, well, you know, since the election till today, the market's up, what, you know, 10%, let's say, the, you know, right. don't take my word for it, but it's up. And so it's like, well, those of you that set out in cash because of the election, right, and then you got in, you, you know, you missed a huge run, and these runs happen in 
you know, four or five days. Sure. And so when you're sitting out, right, you're going to lose a, the major component of that overall year's return by making the wrong moves. Right. And so I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with that philosophy. And then he went on uh, to talk about Brexit, right? And so he just went through like a, this full, you know, um, discipline area investment approach, have sure. the right asset allocation, rebounds, tax manage, sure. you know, don't get freaked out. Okay. And good, then, good advice. Yeah, right. And then it's like, all right, well, <clears throat> then he talked about Brexit. He goes, well, yeah, well, I was at the gym, you know, when the market was tanking. And so what I did is, you know, I actually bought, you know, I bought a lot, you know, on, on the dip. And then I'm thinking to myself, all right? That's two different strategies. So if you have a fully invested portfolio <laughs> that you are rebalancing, right? Yeah. How in, so all of a sudden when the market dipped at Brexit, then all of a sudden you bought into the market? So that's telling me that you are out of the market, that you had a lot of cash on hand. <laughs> so which one is it? All right. Are you are you are you timing the markets and, and buying on the dips? You've heard that terminology yes. before, oh, right? Yeah. I've heard I heard that at, uh, at several from several pundits. Oh yeah, you got to yeah. buy in the dips. Yeah. Okay, well then, what, what, when, when's the dip? Yeah, when's the dip? You only know it when it's too late. <laughs> and then oh, it's like, that was the dip. <laughs> and then what categorizes the dip? And so it's like, okay, well, which one are you doing here? Right. Are, are you fully invested and you're giving that advice, or now are you giving advice to say, well, you know, hey, when the market drops X month, then that's when you get in. Right. So it's it, and then I think he just wanted to make himself feel like he was, sm- you know, the smartest person in the room right and i think ego drives a lot of this because money is very emotional and so it's like all right well you know you go to the cocktail parties it's new year's eve i'm sure a lot of you went to christmas parties holiday parties and everything else and then the word stock comes up hey what are you buying and especially too with with al and i because we're in the profession hey what do you do for a living oh we're in financial planning oh what do you think the market's gonna do yeah what stocks do you like it's so then it's going through that bs you know it's like Oh God! Yeah, you, you get you go to a cocktail party and you get. To, well, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Shell Oil? It's like it's a, it's a, it's a company. Yeah, I like they, it yeah, just as well as Exxon. Strong company. Yeah, <laughs> pretty strong. How's your portfolio? Strong. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, hey, we're just getting started here. Uh, we got email questions. We got an interview. We got um, a couple of quick minute tips uh, for 2017. Of course, New Year's resolutions is right around the corner. Uh, so stick around. Happy New Year, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. And uh, you're listening to Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, what do you got? You got a couple of different articles. I, I, I do, Joe. I, and I think this is such a good time of year to, to think about the future. I mean, a lot of folks uh, at this time of year in... Um, you know, we're right around the corner of January, New Year's, and it's like, all right, what what can we do better in 2017? And of course, certain things come to mind, like getting in shape and eating better. That's that's typical. But also, how about a, a, a financial checkup, and most more specifically, a retirement checkup? If you're, this could be any age. Probably most helpful if you're within about five years of retirement. But this could be potentially any age. Uh, what are the things that you ought to be doing? Uh, to figure out can you actually retire later on. And I've got eight different things from an article uh, written in um, U.S. News by Teresa Mares. Joe, and I think I'd like to go through these and uh, let's comment on them. All right. So number one is evaluate your Social Security claiming strategies because we know that you can start collecting as early as 62, but there's downsides there. Your full retirement age for most of you is 66 uh, unless you're 
born after 1953, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it is, where it starts, it'll, it'll, it'll edge out to age 67. And then you can take it as late as age 70. So, Joe, that's, that really is important to start thinking about Social Security even before you get there because that's going to be potentially a, a big chunk of income for you. Well, I think that's the anchor for a lot of individuals when it comes to the retirement income. And as you and I see this every day, is doing this for many years, is creating the retirement income from a portfolio is completely different than saving money into the portfolio, right? And I think a lot of times, you know, what assets are you going to sell? Are you going to have a you know high dividend stock portfolio to kick out dividends? Are you going to sell some of the principal on a you know total return portfolio? Are you looking at high yield bonds? Are you looking at an annuity or whatever? I mean, there's multiple different strategies that people might listen to. Right, or they might study, or they just kind of fall into all right. Well, here I'm just going to sell whatever's up or down or whatever. I mean, they don't necessarily have a concrete strategy. And as we've been extremely lucky since '09, right, because the market has been basically going up. Correct. But when the market starts to dip and go down, then I think this is where a lot more individuals are going to have some problems. So claiming your Social Security strategy correctly is key because you can really enhance your overall lifestyle by having that right strategy, depending on when you want to claim it, how many other assets that you have, what's your tax situation, because that's a fixed guaranteed income stream for the rest of your life. Right. And and Joe, I think the basics are full retirement age right now is age 66. If you take it at age 62, you're going to reduce your benefits by about 25% for life. Right now, if yeah, you, it's permanent. Now, if you if you take that same age sixty six and go forward to age seventy, in other words, you you wait, you're patient, then your benefit's going to be about thirty two percent higher than it would have been at full retirement age. So that's a pretty big difference. I mean, for every thousand dollars of benefit that you would get at age sixty six, if you took it at sixty two, it would be about seven hundred fifty dollars. If you waited till seventy, it would be one thousand three hundred twenty. And maybe your benefit's a couple thousand a month or, or more. Right. And this can be a big deal because um, uh, in terms of uh, it's kind of a, what we might call longevity insurance, if you will, because a lot of us are living longer. Social Security goes throughout your life. And if you do live a long life and you do have a higher benefit, then that's obviously going to help you throughout retirement. Also, something else, Joe, is, is when husband and wife are, are working, both have benefits, you truly might want to consider pushing the, the higher wager or out to age 70 for, for the highest benefit because no matter which one survives the other one, the survivor will get the highest benefit, which if, if, if you wait till age 70 will be that benefit. Right. So what I guess in other words is let's say you have, or maybe they have the, the, the same benefit. One person waits till 71, maybe takes it at 66, sure. whatever, right? And then the person that takes it at 70, maybe they have a benefit of 3,000. The person that took it at 66 has a $2,000 benefit. Uh, a month. Sure. And then so the person that waited to age 70 passes away prior to the other spouse. So that surviving spouse takes the higher of the two benefits. Right. So that surviving spouse says, all right, well, no, it's not 2000 now it's 3000 plus the colas or whatever. So it's, again, more like a longevity insurance contract for the surviving spouse. And if the surviving or if the high wage earner is older, right, maybe male, right? I'm not trying to be sexist, but if you look at history, that could be the case. Right, so then you have an older male that has a higher benefit. That person should take it out to age 70 because the male will die before the female, and then the female then can take the higher we'll, we'll the get two that, benefit. We'll get that higher benefit. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, Joe, another one would be to evaluate your savings. 
So if you have $500,000 in savings, you probably should plan not to take any more than about 4% per year. And this is a rule of thumb. It's called the 4% rule. It's not, it doesn't work in all cases. And I don't, I sort of want to make sure I emphasize that. In fact, if you retire younger than 66, you probably don't want to take 4% because you're probably going to run out of money sooner. So there's a lot to the calculation, but just back of the envelope, rule of thumb. So $500,000 savings, 4% of that's 20 grand. That's approximately what you should plan to take out of that portfolio. And some people mistakenly think, well, wait a minute, the stock market has earned 10% over right. the last 100 years, so I should be able to take 10% out, right? So that's 50000 instead of 20000 Well, the problem with that is the stock market does not earn 10% every year. Sometimes it loses 20%. Sometimes it makes... 28%, whatever. Sure. It's all over the place. And depending upon what it's doing when you first retire, is going to completely impact your retirement. So you have to, you don't want to take that much out. Secondly, you got to have some money for taxes. And third, you want to leave some money in there for, for growth because of inflation. Right, so it's not just the ten percent per year. Four percent has been that. There's been all kinds of studies over time. It's a pretty good rate. It's not perfect. Uh, in some cases, people will recommend lower distribution rates right now because our interest rates are low and the market is at all-time highs. Will it do the ten percent over the next hundred years or even twenty years? I, nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows. But I, I think the four percent rule is a good rule as you're accumulating wealth to see what number is appropriate yeah. to save to. Yeah. Right. Because it's let's say if you want to spend, you know, for you know you need an additional forty thousand dollars, you know, to supplement your Social Security pension, real estate income, whatever. Right. Well, you need at least a million dollars in liquid capital to provide that income, and I think just doing that math will encourage people to save a little bit more. Right. Because it's like, all right, well, here I have a few hundred thousand dollars saved. That's pretty good. But I'm used to spending $100,000 a year, right? right? Well, the math is not going to work. You will run out of money. So then if you just do the back of the envelope, you know, math of saying, well, 4% rule, so I need at least a million dollars to create 40 grand. Then once you get to that million dollars and retired, then you have to really concentrate on the strategy to create the income. Because you got, right, longevity risk, tax risk, political risk, you have interest rate risk, you have sequence of return risk. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that will blow that thing up. Yeah, and, and to use your example as someone that, that makes 100000 a year, and let's say after taxes, they, um, they, they net 70000 right? So they need $70,000 to continue their same lifestyle. Sure. Now, all kinds of financial planners will say, you can, you can get by spending less, and maybe that's true. For some of you, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you want to spend more in retirement. But let's just say you want to spend that $70,000. you are making 100 Well, Social Security might pay 30% of your salary, just as a rule of thumb. I mean, it's not true for everybody. So that's thirty grand. Okay, you got five hundred thousand dollars saved, so four percent of that's twenty grand. So you got fifty roughly. You need seventy, so you're still short, right? So that's the calculation that will help you decide: Do I need to save more? How much longer do I need to work? These kinds of things. It's rough. It's back of the envelope, but at least it gives you an idea. Well, yeah. Well, you know, the average balance of a retirement account is zero. Is yeah. Well, we right. we know the average balance of of fifty year olds. It's like fourteen thousand dollars. Now that includes all people that have nothing. Right. If you take the people out that have nothing, then the average balance is like ninety thousand or hundred thousand. Yeah, hundred grand. Which means what? Four thousand of income. Yep. It's not really going to 
cut it for for those of you listening to us here in San Diego. It's it's not it's not going to work. Right. And another way to look at this too is you want to look at what well, right. So your Social Security benefits, which we talked about. So figure out what that benefit's going to be. Go to SSA.gov to figure that number out, and then look at any pension amounts that you might have. And then you add all those figures up. So maybe if your Social Security and pensions, if you're married combined, let's say it's fifty grand. Then look at how much money have you saved. You have a hundred thousand dollars saved. Okay, well that's four thousand. So your income, you don't want to spend any more than fifty-four thousand. So that's four percent on the hundred thousand that you saved, plus the fifty thousand that you have in pensions and social security. Fifty-four. If you're used to spending a lot more than that, you will go broke. So you got to be careful. So again, this is just kind of easy steps, just to see how much money that you have, and then creating the income is such a totally um, different part of the game, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but we're running to the end of the clock. Uh, we got to take another break. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everyone. We're talking about some steps here to get you prepared for retirement. Uh, Maybe 2017 is your year that you want to retire. Are you prepared? Uh, We talked about looking at getting your Social Security strategy in order. When are you going to claim it? 62, 70, 66, or anywhere in between? Then we looked at, all right, well, how much money do you need? Yeah, evaluate your savings. And the next one I would say is uh, track your expenses. And a lot of people just assume they're going to spend less in retirement. And we find in many cases it's the opposite, particularly in the first years of retirement, because there's more time for leisure. Hopefully you still have your health, more time for travel, this sort of thing. And things that you want to do about around the house that you haven't done, you put off. Now you go ahead and do them. We find a lot of people spend a little bit more, but you got to start with what you're spending right now. And in this article, it says, uh, write down every cent you spend in a month and evaluate the results. No which, one will ever do which, that. Which that is, is ridiculous. Which is good. <laughs> that is just stupid. That is that is correct. That's that's an optimum. But let's talk reality, <laughs> which is this: the reality is uh, you get paid a hundred thousand dollars and you're netting seventy grand. Okay, and then how much so, you got left? How much you have left at the end so of the you're year? You're spending seventy. So did your savings go up or down? Well, I don't have any savings, and it didn't change. Okay, well you're spending seventy grand. Right. Look at your net paycheck. Yeah. Right. It, if there's something it's, left, it's, you're spending less. <laughs> if, if there's, in some cases, some of you are spending all of that plus more by how by putting it on credit cards. I would say the most successful individuals financially don't budget like that. They do not track every cent. Yeah. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm I'm not taking anything away from you engineers that have your spreadsheet that you <laughs> right. update it every second. But I just think that the the wealthiest, the most successful that I have found in almost 20 years of doing this, had an automatic way to make wealth, right? Because they paid themselves first, right? They figured out, all right, well, here, I need to save X amount of dollars to hit whatever financial goal that I'm shooting for, and I will save those dollars, and then I will spend everything else. And guess what? They hit those goals. Right. The other people, they're spending every day tracking their expenses, and they're saying, you know what? We don't have any money to save. It's all gone. It's all gone. It's funny, huh? <laughs> so let's do it again next week. Let's do it again next month, right? Next yeah. year. Well, I think you, you hit on something that's absolutely critical, which is pay yourself first. And by that, you're saving first before you're spending. And, and the easiest way to do that is if you have a 401k or 403b at your work, because it comes right out of your paycheck and you never miss it. Right. But not all of you have 401ks. So in that case, you're going to have to set up your own savings account. What 
I might suggest, in some cases, employers will put part of your pay right to a savings account. In other cases, it just goes right to your checking account if it's direct deposit. And you can have an auto withdrawal each month on or whatever date of your pay happens to your savings account. This can happen. If you make it automatic, it's going to happen. If you don't make it automatic, I can pretty much guarantee it's not going to happen. Well, it won't because you'll spend it. Right. Right? Because it's there. It's there. Yeah, it's too It's too hard not to. It's like, oh, well, it's right there. And, and by the way, we, we live the Southern California lifestyle, which is not exactly inexpensive. And, right. if, and if it's there, we will figure out a way to how spend to it. spend it. But if it's saved and you're disciplined. So I think, you know, a lot of people have this as their New Year's resolution. Hey, I want to get on track for whatever financial goal. I want to get my finances in order and everything else. This is just one really easy way to do it. Automate your finances finances. Uh, I mean, so if you're dreading, right, to say, oh man, I really don't want to sit down and track every penny. Yeah, I get it. No one wants to do that. But if you say, you know what, I'm, we're saving, let's say $10,000 a year, maybe it's five or maybe it's 50. Increase that number, right? Start with baby steps. And then lo and behold, guess what? If it's out of sight, out of mind, then you can adapt your lifestyle from there. Right. But you have to start, you have to get disciplined and say, you know what, this is what we need to do and then get her done. I mean, because how many times have we seen people with several hundred thousand dollars salaries in their 50s and 60s that have nothing saved? That's it's it's shocking. Actually. Nothing saved. Yeah. You're 60. You make 300 grand a year. You have nothing saved. Right. And then now we, is the time to start. Right. And then we, we see school teachers. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll kind of give them a little credit because by and large, that group of individuals does a great job. Not only do they have a, a good pension from the school district, but they tend to save as well. And a school teacher with a 50, 60, $70,000 income, $40,000 income, doesn't really matter. They've got all this saved. Plus they got, they got a pension that uh, covers probably covers 70, 75%, yep. whatever of their pay. So they're in great shape. Right. It's not how much you make. It's the discipline that you have along the way. But Joe, if you're about to retire and you've just gone through this mathematics that we mentioned last segment, which is all right, I'm I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a year after taxes at seventy thousand, so I'm spending seventy. Social security is gonna be thirty thousand. I got five hundred thousand in the bank. Uh, which will, if 4% rule means I can spend about 20,000 of that, I get 30 plus 20, I can only spend 50. So if you want to retire you know, in the next six months, why don't you try living on 50,000 right now, right before you retire and see if you can make it work. Right. And if you can make it work, congratulations, go ahead and retire. If you can't, then you will know you need to work longer because you're not ready yet. Yeah, and I think then people will shotgun their retirement too. It's like, all right, well here, we have this in savings, but I, I'm done. I don't want to work. So then they take on too much risk in their overall portfolio to try to generate a higher rate of return where they realize, yes, I could lose. But they, you know, they're so short-sighted is that, well, I need this money to grow. And so I'm going to take on the extra risk until it's too late. And then all of a sudden that 500 now is 300. Right, exactly. So here, here's another one, Joe, is understanding tax ramifications. And I think this one is missed a lot because you may not even realize this, but all the money that you've saved into your 401k or your 403b, or in many cases, your IRAs, that money comes out. When you pull it out, it's, it's income. It's all income. It's taxed at ordinary income rates, which is the same rates that you're used to paying right now. You thought you were going to be in a lower tax bracket? Well, I got news for you. If you're, if you're making 100 grand and you're netting 70, by the time that you cover all your expenses because your income is going to come from your 401k, 
plus Social Security, plus maybe you got a pension plan. Well, if you want to have the same lifestyle, you're going to basically be in the same tax, tax bracket because yeah. you're going to need to make $100,000 to be able to spend seventy, <laughs> and it's the same bracket. And, boy, if, if people would just think about this, they've heard about asset diversification, right? You want, don't want all your eggs in one basket. You want to have stocks and bonds. You want to have domestic and international, small companies, large companies. I think people get that. But tax diversification, hardly anyone talks about that because it's there's – there's more than just ordinary income type of assets, which is a 401k IRA. There's your non-qualified account, which is your non-retirement account. You can invest that for growth, capital gains. That's taxed at a capital gain rate, which for most to use 15%. It's a lower rate. Or Roth IRAs. How about them? You take money out of a Roth IRA, you pay no tax at all. So if you can start rearranging your assets and being careful about getting more money into Roth IRA, making sure that your assets that are invested outside of retirement are tax efficient, then through retirement, Joe, you can end up with a lot more money in your pocket. It's a, I guess it's a, that's a delayed gratification again. Is that, all right, well, here, should I put money into a Roth IRA? I don't get the tax deduction today, but all that money grows tax-free, right? But I swear to you, most of our clients that have a lot of money in Roth IRAs, they're not saying, damn, I wish I would have got that tax deduction 10 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's just so far out of sight. Out, and they're like, they are ecstatic that they got several hundred thousand dollars well, in a tax-free account that they can draw from and never pay taxes on those again. Yeah, and so you think about that. So they'll have Social Security. Well, that's taxed at ordinary income rates. Up to 85% of Social Security is taxable. And maybe they have pension, maybe not. Maybe they still have money in 401ks. But uh, they've done some real good tax planning to get money into Roth IRAs because they've realized that they can they have some control over paying taxes in retirement and in fact because you're creating your own income stream you have more control over taxes in retirement actually more so than any other time in your life and it's not being talked about enough Joe people need to understand that they do have control over the taxes in retirement and it's by putting together a forward-looking tax efficient strategy Find out how you can legally pay fewer taxes than before with our brand new personalized tax reduction analysis, updated for 2017. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. Hey, Joe, we've been talking about uh, retirement checkup, and I think it's a good time to be thinking about such things. The new year, it's time to focus on the future. Let's get ourselves in shape. Let's eat better, and let's make sure we got our finances in order. What a better time to do a retirement checkup, and what are the things that you need to be doing and thinking about before you retire, especially if you're maybe within five years of retirement or sooner? And we talked about Social Security strategies, evaluating your savings, tracking your expenses, understanding taxes. Here's another one, though, which is... Test out your plans. If, if you're envisioning a retirement filled with art lessons, golf, volunteer work, choral singing, that's on your list, I'm yes. sure, Joe. <laughs> well, try those activities now to see how much you like them. Right. Because maybe you won't like them that much. Exactly. Right? You and, know, I mean, there's a lot of people that wanted to um, live abroad, right? Hey, I'm getting the hell out of the country. I'm going right. to live somewhere cheaper or whatever. And they've never been to the country. Right. Yeah. You might want to spend a couple of months there. Yeah, um, yeah. go ahead and, and take a nice extended vacation before you retire. If you have to, take a leave of absence, whatever, but go over and try it and see what you think, at least a month, but you know, probably more than that, probably right. two or three months to be you know, more ideal. Yes, uh, but then they're saying, well, I, I'm selling all my assets to do this, and I don't have enough money to do that trip. Sure. Well, 
then understand. you are probably not. Yeah, prepared. maybe maybe you don't want to do. Maybe, maybe at least go visit and just at least get a sense <laughs> of what, what it's like. But I that Joe, this happens. You know, I like Hawaii, and I've got a condo in Kauai. We go there all the time. We love it, and I could envision spending large chunks of the year uh, there in retirement. And but we talk to all kinds of people, and a lot of people move there because it's obviously beautiful. Weather's great. And some people say it's the best thing we've ever done. We're having a great time. But a lot of people say, yeah, this isn't what we thought. We had a client that did that. Yeah. And it's like, well, because we did a one-week vacation. It was great. But when we live here, it feels different. And then all of a sudden I bought a condo. <laughs> and now I got this condo that I can't sell. And you know. Yeah. So it's just, you know what? You, you try out these things beforehand. And I think, uh, as my dad used to say, he retired because he was doing so many things he didn't have time to work. Right. And I think that's a good motto to live by. I, I really do. Yeah, exactly. You want to be in that camp where it's like, well, I, I don't have time to work if I wanted to. Right. Right. You know, versus, I think, unfortunately, a lot of individuals that are retired are um, bored. Yeah. It's like, right. wow, what am I going to do today? You yeah. Know, what's on the list here? And so getting those list of activities, getting finding that per- sense of self and ma- maintaining that purpose is key. Right. Another one that's related is setting yourself up for part-time work actually before you retire. And it may be with your existing employer. Maybe they have opportunities for you to work part-time. Not only can that help finance a retirement, uh, but it, t- it gives you a lot of ancillary benefits like the social contacts and the keeping your brain sharp and, and the sense of purpose and, right. and all these things. Well, I think coming up next, we have a, a guest that's going to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, about getting back into the marketplace when you've been out for a while, I think. Right. Yeah. You know, so a lot of individuals will take a hiatus for a couple of years or something like that. It's like, all right, well, here, now I'm in my 50s or 60s, and I want to get back into maybe corporate life or or, or find um, that career. And so there's not a lot of resources to help you with. So uh, stick around next segment. Uh, We will talk to the president of iRelaunch, which is uh, kind of an exciting new um, program uh, that was just launched. So. So here's yet another one. Get serious about relocation plans, uh, meaning that if you're, and this is related to what we were just talking about, if you plan to move when you retire, find out how much you'll actually net for your house, how much it will cost you to move to the new new location. Spend as much time as you can in your new city. Do a little bit of advanced research. Uh, and it's funny. We, we talk to an awful lot of people that, that before they retire, they have these thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to go live in Italy for six months, right. or I'm going to go live in Hawaii or Montana, whatever it may be. The reality is almost never people almost never move. I mean, the stats are over. It's almost 90% of retirees stay in their, their homes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did a, a webinar of looking at using um, home equity, you know, right. to help provide for retirement income. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's some aspects of it is like, all right, well, here, I built a lot of memories in my home. I don't necessarily want to sell it. I don't want to downsize because, you know, I, I want to die in the home that I've raised my family in. Uh, but then others, too, it's like, well, here, you probably need the asset to live off of. I think more and more of you will need to use some of that home equity. And you can be pretty smart and sophisticated with it, with different tools and different types of planning, just to make sure that you're looking at, hey, can I utilize my entire net worth to create the retirement of my dreams? Right. Right. And, and it's possible if you just kind of take a look at different aspects of maybe just a traditional, hey, I got this in a 401k and here's in my savings account right. and this is my social security. In some cases, it may make sense to refinance your loan 
you better do that while you're still working, right? right? Because you need the income to qualify. In other cases, maybe a reverse mortgage might make sense for you. Or in, in some cases, you, you want to do some of those home repairs that you've been putting off and you need to borrow them. Well, again, borrow them while you're still working because you, you, that's when you can qualify. Right. Right. And then, I mean, there's home sharing. You know, there's also we can get real creative, <laughs> right? I'm seeing more you, and more of that. You have, you have an extra bedroom in your house. Sure, so yeah, you can, I can you rent can that thing rent out. out. Rent out the room, get Whatever. a little extra income. You got it. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's it, it's all good, Joe. I think uh, I I think yet the last thing I want to highlight is. Uh, making sure you have the right investments for your portfolio. And we could spend hours on this one, but uh, part of this is making sure that you've got a well uh, diversified, globally diversified portfolio made up of all kinds of stocks and bonds. How often do we see uh, people that have maybe 10 stocks and they're, you know, they're, it's it's almost like gambling. And I, I, it's just, you, you kind of want to shake them. It's like, this isn't how to, you want to invest your retirement nest egg. What if a couple of these companies go down? You've lost 20% of your portfolio. It's it's The it's only crazy. thing we can do is try to educate Al. Right. That's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. I mean, people will do what they want to do. And they think, you know, some some individuals think they have it all figured out. And by all means, if you got it all figured out, go for it. Yeah, right. right. I can just tell you the pros and cons of what your current strategy looks like. Right. And as long as you understand that, then God bless you. It's your retirement. It's not mine. Well, that's true. It's your lack of assets, not mine. It's your lack of planning, not mine. And and one one thing, like let's say someone has a single stock, like Apple, for example, <laughs> which t- which could be the absolute best investment in the world and or the worst, worst one, right? right? Sure. And that's the problem with a single stock is it the, the variability of returns is off the off the charts, right? You can you can become wealthy and you can lose everything, right? Yeah, but it's uh, everything reverts back to the mean, which I, I, I don't think people understand is that if you're a very successful, profitable company, guess what? Other companies want to have a piece of those profits. So that creates competition. It does. And what does that happen to stock price? It brings it down. Yes. So then it's like, all right, well, here, this company is the forefront of everything. Yeah, it was, but that doesn't say it's going to continue to do it. The larger it gets, the more tough it is for you to continue to compete on a global basis. Yeah, just ask Microsoft. I mean, it's 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 tough. Apple, you know, kind of had a monopoly, and then all of a sudden, well, ask JC Penney's. Yeah. How about Sears? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, Kodak. I mean, the, the, I, the, the I, list goes on and on. When I was young, we went to Montgomery Wards. Right. Yeah. That's, yep, there was a Montgomery Wards no, right down the, the street from my house. No more. 